The Browns, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, guys. Uh, Monday night here, we will go through the pro football focus grades. Uh, we will get some game analysis and talk with our normal Monday guest, John Costco. Uh, guys, again, all the appreciation that you've been giving towards the show. Uh, please, the iTunes ratings and reviews, those are important. If you could please do those for me. And guys, everybody who's been sending out DMs, text messages, uh, all the well wishes, uh, we're hanging in there pretty good, and I appreciate everyone for it. It, it. it means it means more than you know. And like I said, getting here to sit down and do this, it's a nice little escape from the day here because I kind of have to deal with this on a professional level as well as, obviously, as well as, you know, a family level. So it's been a little difficult, but I do appreciate everyone for reaching out. So I uh, just want to thank you guys again. Uh, Mr. Costco, first things first, how is everything going this evening? Everything is going well. Uh, you know, I haven't gotten to watch this Monday night game, but I got to hang out with the kids for a bit and, and things are going well. Yeah, well, I mean, see, for me, like, Monday nights kind of come the way of, do I, it, first off, does the game really appeal to me? And tonight, i got to be honest, nah, not too much appeal to me because I was an Eli Manning guy. I Eli Manning's over. It's It, it sucks. It's terrible. Um, he's holding his franchise back. And then the other thing would be, do I have any fantasy interest in this game? And the only thing I'm doing here is just building on W's, so I, I really have zero Zero reason to watch this Monday night game. And who knows? Maybe yeah. Maybe plays in the second half. Yeah. I, the only interest I have in this is uh, Matt Ryan. And I'm already up like 156 to 110. And he has nobody left. So it's I, I could have benched him and still won and had the most <laughs> points in the league. So I was good to go. Yeah, no, we're just looking for personal records at this point. Uh, John, first thing I want to get into, and now this is going to, you know, this is, first, first thing that stood out for me is um, the pass blocking grades from the offensive line, I will obviously, you know, minus Desmond Harrison out of that. I mean, he was, you know, he was not fantastic. But the rest of the offensive line, first things first that showed up in the grades is solid, solid grades. Yeah, so I think I think a lot of it is understanding how pressure is applied to a quarterback. So there's a, there's a spot that the quarterback needs to drop back to. Uh, and essentially, the offensive line needs to keep keep their man or keep themselves out of that spot. And it's about a, it's a one-yard radius circle, about seven to eight yards you know, behind the center, um, typically. Obviously, there's differences in um, you know, the, the drop back depth and all that stuff. But you know, with a normal drop back, it, that's about it. Um, if Baker starts moving off that spot, the offensive line doesn't know he's doing that. So, you know, you can look at the third play of the game or thir- third pass of the game that Baker had. He took, he dropped it back. It was, a, it was, I think it was third and two. He hit his spot and then continued to move off, you know, and back where it looks like it appears that maybe Chris Harbour is giving up pressure, but Baker's running directly into it. He doesn't need to do that. Um, there's other instances where the pocket was clean enough that he would, he started uh, moving around and drifting off the spot directly into a pressure, directly into a sack. We charged him for a sack in this game. So that's kind of, you know, I think a lot of people don't recognize that when they're just watching the game is that, you know, the offensive line is not expecting to block like a four yard area behind them. They're, that's just not plausible for an offensive lineman to do. So if the, the quarterback moves off of their spot that they're expect the offensive line is expecting to be at, we're not charging that pressure if if it en- ends up being in pressure or if it's a clean pocket and Baker starts you know moving around and, and it, even if there's no pressure applied but he kind of gets frantic we did that a couple times in this game 
there's not pressure that's going to be charged him. Sometimes there's pressure that happens because of stunts and, um, or, you know, this, the defensive coordinator schemes it up that beats the offensive lines, you know, the, how, how the protection's set. Um, a lot of times I will just go up into the unblocked category of, of, you know, pressures because there's no offensive line that was a charge to it because of there's a miss, you know, some type of breakdown somewhere, whether it was by a player that misreading the assignment or, you know, it was just completely the, the scheme that was beaten. So that's how like pressure is kind of like rated. And then there's also the scale of, of our plus minus where it's, you know, if you don't give up pressure, it's a zero. So it's a, you know, it's an expected to not give up pressure. Uh, if you give it up extremely quickly, you know, in, in under two seconds, you're looking at a minus 1.5. Uh, between two, 2.75 seconds, you're looking at a minus one. And then anything after that, you're typically looking at uh, a minus 0.5. So this, you know, so there's levels of, of getting beat. So sometimes you can beat super early. Those are obvious. Those are bad. Sometimes it's getting beat late, which happens a lot to the Browns. They get beat late in their pre- and, and when they're allowing their pressures. You can see in, in the grades that like maybe some guy will, like Desmond Harrison a couple weeks ago had, gave up like seven pressures in the game, but had a, a decently average pass blocking grade. Because if you're giving up multiple little pressures that are late in the drop back, he doesn't get his grade doesn't suffer as much because of that. So that's you know a long-winded kind of version, probably not perfect, perfectly explained, but uh, you know the best I can can do in a in a short amount of time at least. Okay, and guys, look, a lot of you people listen. A lot of you people listen, and and you you know see what comes out, and you get taken back by it. You know, John just kind of gave you a good explanation. Um, a couple of these would help if Baker could throw the ball away. A couple of this would help, uh, you know, if guys were open sooner, which Baker wants, because, you know, Baker is not, you know, what we're seeing in its typical rookie, but this is also the kind of guy Baker is. Baker's not a guy who just wants to eat a play. He, you know, he, he's going to fight every last second of it to try to make something of it. And, you know, and you saw, and then sometimes even you get the simple flaws, not throwing the ball away. Uh, you know, the, the the fourth and one carry, why he didn't just take the points in, I have no idea. Um, you know, everybody was worried about overtime if he'd gotten that field goal there and not the fumble because he had the ball in the wrong hand and lost the first down. Maybe he would have never gotten in the position. But, um, look, but, you know, this is why Baker Mayfield, you want him playing for the rest of the season. This is why he's playing now. There's going to be kinks. There's going to be rookie things that he needs to work out. So next year, when you're in a position, a much better position to compete week in, week out for wins, not just compete in games, compete for wins, that this stuff is not going to be issues anymore. Jarvis Landry, I would want to get to, John. Um, there was a little bit of a down spell. Um, and, and I do think it's kind of interesting now that we saw a Jarvis Landry stat line similar to what we used to see in Miami and where Jarvis Landry was able to have an effect on a game. Ten receptions, 97 yards, got the score. Um, but I noticed the routes don't seem as deep anymore that they were running with Jarvis Landry. And look, I mean, you can maybe that's what Jarvis Landry wants to be. But there's a role he's got, and he's been pretty damn good at it to this point. And, you know, maybe part of it was, you know, Jarvis Landry wanted making sure he was going to get the money he was going to get. But using him more where he's good showed yesterday with, with the stat line and what able, he was able to bring to the game and the offense and extend drives for them. Yeah. Um, you, you can't force a player or force something that, that doesn't work for the player. Some You have to be able to – to, the whole scheme has to work together, right? So, like, Jarvis is very good at the underneath stuff and then picking your spots 
when it goes deeper. Uh, because essentially you want to get it into your playmaker's hands. Underneath the coverage is the easiest way to do that. Um, and then, I mean, you, just look at how, how like the Rams are able to, to win a lot of games or just get a lot of yards is that they do a lot of screens and stuff underneath and eventually break some of those. Um, so getting it to a player underneath the, the coverage to, to like like Jarvis, who's very good at doing that and getting him to, to run after the catch. Yeah, his, his it was 9.7 yards per reception, but, you know, that, that was obviously a very efficient game. He had four first downs and a touchdown, so half of his catches went for, you know, moving the chains or into the end zone. That's pretty good. Um, he was av- The average depth of his target was 11.6 yards down the field, which is still pretty good. So, um you mix it in at all levels of the field with him, you're going to get good results. Uh, instead of trying to do this vertical downfield passing attack that the Browns are continually trying to do, uh, you've got to vary it up. And, and he benefited from that, and you can continue to do that and, and give him the ball because um, is he going to be like an Antonio Brown, which is maybe what Todd Haley is trying to get him to be? No, of course not. But there's nobody's going to be that except for maybe two other players in the NFL. So uh, utilize him how he's effective, and you'll you'll get good results out of it. Yeah, guys. Uh, and look, and that's the thing. And this is the thing. And look, you know, are you seeing – and look, you can't keep harping on Josh Gordon, guys. There comes a time when an organization just says, look, we've had too much. And Tom Brady and everybody in New England, as excited as they're getting about Josh Gordon right now, and Tom Brady's saying – I'm really, really getting there with him. Look, guys, we we know this, and you want to know what? And the worst thing in the world is to get into a spot where you think we really know where Josh Gordon and what he can do for us right now, because this is usually about the time where Josh Gordon ends up, you know, breaking folks' hearts. Guys, locked on Browns. We have John Costco here. We're doing PFF grades, getting some game analysis. Guys, a lot of you question the pass blocking scores as opposed to what you're seeing on television. John gave you a great breakdown and idea on how to, you know, so take it through step by step when you watch pass drop. And, you know, then you'll kind of maybe get a better idea as to these scores. It, you know, some of it obviously is with the, you know, with receivers that, you know, totally aren't ready on the field yet. A lot of it has to do with it. You have a rookie quarterback who is, you know, making his way through well, but they're still going to make mistakes. Throwing the ball away would obviously help. Uh, guys, a lot of people, uh, you know, ask for advice, ask for betting advice. You know the drill, guys. You know the ad here. Where I'm going to send them to is I'm going to send them to mybookie.com. Who you're betting with is almost as important as who you're betting on. And trust me, guys, mybookie.com will be your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. And the mobile site, simple, clean, easy to use. I had a couple of listeners come to me Friday, sent me DMs. I'm like, yes, guys. And here's part of it, guys. Why would you use a company? You know, first things first, mybookie.com, they're doing well. How do I know they're doing well? We have over 37 shows affiliated with the NFL part of Lockdown Network. They sponsor and are on all 37 shows. That's a larger commitment to make financially. It means that what they're doing is good. So, you know, go ahead. Trust them when I tell you to do this, guys. Um, I would only recommend someone that's been good to me. Guys, I tell you, I don't place a lot of bets. If I'm going to, it'll be mybookie.com. You win, they pay. It is that simple. They have in-game, live betting, over-under on fantasy points, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. MyBookieRight.com right now is slammed with possible new membership. If you do it after 7 p.m. Eastern time, not EST, they will give you a free $25 just for doing it. Um, Join now, and MyBookie.com will match your initial deposit dollar for dollar. 
Yes, 100%. Whatever you put down, they put down. Do it after 7 p.m. Eastern time. You will get the other $25. So, guys, you're getting free money to make bets with. New promo code with this, LOCKEDON25, capital L, capital O, 25. Visit MyBookie online today, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. Um, guys, MyBookie.com, you play, you win, you get paid. It's just that simple. All right, John, I want to move over here. And look, um, I've been screaming about it for weeks. Um, Carlos Hyde, it was never anything personal about Carlos Hyde. I just, better athletes, younger athletes, more game-breaking ability. We finally got to see Nick Chubb unleashed. And the first one that made me chuckle is, and one of the things we said, well, he can't pass block. Well, don't really ask him to do that. But they did ask him to pass block twice. And Carlos Hyde, in a little bit he was able to pass block the last couple of weeks, his grades were piss poor. Nick uh, Chubb's passing, uh, pass block rating yesterday was almost a 78. Very good by PFF standards. But, John, give me some thoughts here on the numbers. Obviously, the rush, uh, the uh, you know, obviously carrying the ball over 83. Very impressive debut for the young man. Uh, only thing I'll take away from it, and it's not on him, was a QB sneak as opposed to, you know, telling your newly minted young running back, it's fourth and one. Go get me this damn touchdown, son. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, the QB sneak, I think, is something that you'd hope that um, Baker would have the ability to, to, to check out of because of how they lined up. And, you know, obviously the, they stacked the middle, and that was going to be a difficult game to get. So um, hopefully in the future, something like that, Baker's able to, to check out of it to a run or even a play action pass or whatever maybe. Well, I even so. see, but I even see Baker though. If he had that ability in that situation, he would have looked back and said, "Well, this is going to be my dude for a while." Hell yeah, I'm going to give it to my dude. Yeah, yeah, and and he's a guy that was making it work all game long. Um, broke out a couple of, of nice big runs, graded out extremely well. Um, uh, he, his elusive rating is still up there with. Uh, you know the best in the NFL with with players with at least uh, 30 touches uh, at 221.7, which is insane. Um, has 11 forced missed tackles on that and 6.85 yards uh, per carry after contact. So he's still getting it done, even with a bigger workload. Um, I, obviously, those numbers I still expect to come down because they're buoyed by a couple of long runs, and that just you know, by the, the you know law of averages that it's going to happen, it's going to come down. But he's obviously a much more explosive uh, player. He's a guy that, you know, obviously at Georgia was a fantastic player. He broke a lot of tackles there. It was, it was explosive. It took him a little bit to come back from that knee injury. But once he got, you know, over any types of hurdles he had over that, um, guy that has extremely good vision, hits the holes with decisiveness, um, and just everything you look for, in you know your prototypical uh, bell cow running back, um, this is a game that I ho- was hoping that they'd use utilize Duke Johnson a little bit more. But um, you know what he was able to show in his first game, you know essentially as a starter uh, in, the, in the running back backfield, uh, very good stuff. Yeah, I mean it seems weird because Todd Haley, as far as Duke Johnson's concerned, just seems like he looks at him as you're a third down running back, and you know I mean, but it, you, when they ask him and they actually call his number, he produces, and, you know, with right now, when you're playing a fourth-round wide receiver who has not gotten any playing time since 2016, and you are playing a sixth-round wide receiver, you would think, 
or and even you know a second tight end who's pretty athletic. And I think I saw Seth DeValve yesterday more with a ball cap on than I saw him you know with a helmet on getting ready to go in. I mean, the guy looks like a freaking backup quarterback right now. I don't know what's going on with there. There, it makes zero sense. Um, but you know th- th- these things happen. Um, you know it, again though, as far as the QB sneak, it's just a bad call. And guys, anybody who's upset about a loss yesterday, think about this. You left a early field goal before half that they did not attempt. The QB sneak, which did not work out. Guys, it should have never went to overtime. It should have never been there. You would have been up 10. At worst, you would have been up 3. Or even if you capitalized on one of those, you would have never went to overtime. Um, we're going to flip it over to the defensive side of the bowl. And first things first, uh, John, here we go again. 95 defensive snaps. Um, look, it's great that these guys are young. It's great that they're young. They're all fantastic ball players, but they are taking an insane amount of repetitions on the defensive side of the ball. And the problem is, is they are not probably they're not subbing these guys out properly enough. Yeah, it's something I was looking at yesterday. Um, Garrett has 504 snaps, which is the highest of any defensive lineman in the. The, the rate this is going, he's going to match Joe Joe Joe, Joe Thomas by like next Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jopi has the second most of any defensive lineman in the NFL at 486. You've got Chandler Jones at 453, J.J. Watt at 431, and Daniel Hunter at 400. That's your top five. So it, you've got like everybody else in the NFL below 400, and yet you've got Miles Garrett at 504. And you can just see it. Like There, there are stretches in the game that he just looks absolutely exhausted. You could look at it, watch the game yesterday coming out of uh, halftime. He looked like on, he was just on fire. He was making all sorts of pressure, uh, beating, beating the offense tackle multiple times. So, I mean, it, it's just you're running him into, them, him into the ground, Ogunjobi into the ground as well. These guys need breaks, and I, I, I don't, don't have a reason for why they're doing it. Like, you've brought in these guys that, like, just need to spell them for – a couple plays here and there that you don't have to continually be out there running these snaps. And, um, I mean, Zettel only had six snaps. Brian Price had 15. Christmas had 12. And then that's it. Like, and then you have your starting defensive line just getting destroyed. Or you're not destroyed, but just get running themselves ragged out there. Um, it's brutal. It's it's not easy for those guys. And they, um, they just they need a rest. And, Miles Garrett was was excellent yesterday. And, oh, and absolutely. I, I, we're we're going to end up to the point where he's just taken for granted. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, like, I, I was actually kind of disappointed in, in how he had been progressing, and this was, like, early in the year. I thought he should have been getting more. But, like, he's still, I mean, he finished the game yesterday. And he's, I mean, he's really, last past two weeks have been excellent for him, I thought, as a pass rusher, his best, probably his best two games. He's had yesterday. He had two sacks, two hits, five hurries, uh, multiple other times where he, uh, you know, pre- beat the offensive lineman, but wasn't quick enough to be a, a pressure. Obviously, he had the strip sack and just. Uh, I mean, he's he's becoming what you expected as a, the number one overall quote unquote generational talent uh, defensive end. So um, happy, obviously, with his his production there just got to give him a rest because he, he looked gassed uh, for a good stretch there in the fourth quarter. Well, I mean, and this is, I mean, some of it is just so simple. Four overtime games in seven weeks. 
Um, the temperature yesterday in Tampa Bay was probably at minimum 30 degrees warmer than anything that it was, you know, any spot in Cleveland yesterday. I mean, some of this is just so basic and simple. And, and Zeta with his six reps had a really good grade. I mean, so you, it's, it, it, it's getting, it's getting monotonous and I have fears that something can happen to either one of these guys. And then you're worried about, you know, you know, how their 2019 season starts out. Um, much like I did like with the offensive line, John, I'm going to go here with the defense. The first one, when I, you know, the first thing I do is I give a glance and I go down, look at the numbers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now with the offensive line pass blocking grade, that stood out to me as, you know, a, a positive, which I wasn't expecting. Emmanuel Logba with an overall grade of 58.7. The grade is interesting because, I mean, what we saw on the field and the production, the guy was on yesterday. So he was hurt by two penalties. Okay. Um, that obviously brings the overall grade down. Run right. defense, he was good. Pass rushing, he was he was solid. The, the, he had splash plays, right? So you obviously remember the sack. He had a sack that was nullified by a penalty as well and two yep. bad pressures. So you remember the big plays, right? But what happened in between, there wasn't much more in terms of what he was getting at as a pass rusher outside of that. So that's, you know, he had 60 pass rush snaps. But, um, you know, he had two bad passes, two sacks, you know, when you take consideration a nullified one, and two hurries. So that's six plays out of 60 where he made a, an impact. Um, and then what, where was he the rest of, rest of the time? That's where, where it is, is that he wasn't also beating his, uh, the defensive or the offensive tackle uh, quite, you know, quite as frequently as what the, the splash plays will show. So um, obviously it was still a good performance. I'm not taking anything away from that. It just wasn't this uh, otherworldly performance that, like, if you if you watch the, the, you know, just go watch what Ogbo was doing versus what Garrett was doing. Garrett was just destroying yes. that left tackle play after play after play. Not every single play, obviously, but it, it was a seemingly, it, was, it seemed like it was every other play or every three plays. Agua was kept at bay, and then he would have this splash play where it's just like, boom, that's what you want to see from him, but he's not doing it on a consistent basis. All right, now one thing, and it's a little funny here. Um, I loved what they did yesterday. We're saying, all right, Demarius Randall, we're going to ask you to play corner this week. No, you're our free safety. This is the spot where we're at. Um, first things first, it was nice to see Breen body Calhoun again because um, somehow, some way, you know, when Juju Smith-Schuster gave him a hard time, and Juju's a good player. He kind of got banished. Um, so go ahead. They started Brian, uh, Brian Batty Calhoun at, at free safety yesterday. Strong showing from him statistically, also with the grades. Um, now, Randall, um, I, I, I thought he did a good job. Look, you know, Mike Evans ended up with 7 for 107. You know, Mike Evans is one of those guys that, like, at the end of the day, like, it doesn't look like it's going that, you know, it doesn't look like he's killing you. And obviously the no touchdown does help. But at the end of the day, you look up, and it's like, all right, wow. It, it amassed a 7 for 107. So, Randall, it looked like he was doing a good job. The grade doesn't reflect it. Um, but uh, Brian Body Calhoun, with what he did yesterday at free safety, I, I think this may be a trend going for, forward. But maybe if you could talk a little bit here about Randall's grade. Uh, is it more of a kind of just basically, I mean, because it did kind of look somewhat like, you know, it was bend but don't break. Mike Evans isn't going 50 yards on me, but I'll be okay if he goes 20 on me. Yeah, pretty much. So, like, he didn't have any um, uh, pass breakups, uh, didn't didn't force any completions. He was targeted 12 times, allowed nine catches for 104 yards. 
Um, not all of that was to Mike Evans, obviously, because that that wasn't yep. those weren't Mike Evans' numbers. But against Mike Evans, it was seven targets, five catches uh, for 57 yards. Uh, he give, he did give up a, a, a catch to Ronald Jones, but he was the guy that was in the in the flat there, so it was zone yep. coverage there. So stuff like like that where it's as you know he's in his zone as opposed to actually covering Mike Evans. I think he had a fine game, but you have like I said with with a lot of small beats, similar to how like an offensive line happens. If you have a small beat here, a small beat there, and you're not you know putting on top of it tackles for for short gains, um, tackles for loss, breaking up passes. There's nothing that's getting there to boost your grade, so you just you accumulate a lot of small negatives and and uh, here and there a couple of positives, it becomes like a, a below-average game. I wouldn't say it was a bad game. It was a below-average game. Um, the uh, the 0 to 100, what was the uh, – I always look at the plus-minus, so I have to – what was a, with a 0 to 100 for his game in this? For uh, Randall. For, for Randall, yeah. That might be the part that's cut. 58.1. Yes. Yeah. So he had a 58 point – yeah, cut that out. coverage grade for him. So that's just below average, basically right at like a replacement level. But it wasn't like he wasn't torched for for any big, uh, you know, games, obviously. Nine of his, or six of his catches that he allowed did go for first downs and didn't force any incompletion. So all that factoring in, I mean, it's not like he was destroyed, but it didn't do anything to boost his grade. It's like like Denzel Ward did, where he he forced two incompletions, or like Body Calhoun, he had he forced an incompletion. Yep. T.J. Carey did the same thing. Jabril Peppers, you know, forced an incompletion. So, um, in order to get those those numbers, you know, boosted up, you have to you know, the, the grade to boost it up. You have to at least make tackles for stops or force incompletions, and he did neither really. Okay, and look, and guys, now keep in mind, though, it's it's been a long time since Demarius Randall had played cornerback. Um, look, if EJ Gaines isn't back this week, guys, I'm assuming you're going to see this again because I think Randall did enough at corner, but you were able to play a guy and get him comfortable again, and he played well. So I agree. This, yeah, this is probably going to be, if EJ Gaines isn't back, this is probably going to be the way it's going to stay, and right now... I think, you know, Greg Williams and, you know, his guys on defense are, you know, saying, all right, well, we think, uh, you know, Potty Calhoun can play free safety, so we're just going to go ahead and roll with this for now. Um, you know, and this is what you like, though, when you have defensive backs with versatility. Neither one of these guys, their calling cards, you know, I mean, look, their calling cards are that they can play either. So, look, one guy gets hot at one spot, you know, it, it's not going to hurt you that the other guy didn't do so well at his spot. He's going to stay there because the one guy came back, got confident, and played well. So it's probably going to roll on that way. Guys, you listen here, Locked On Browns. We have John Costco on here. We're going through the PFF grades. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba. Uh, guys, Denzel Ward, yet again, a stud. Uh, something special here with this guy. It's it's just so easily and apparent in the play in the end zone. Just a fantastic young, guys. Yeah, young, young guy and great value to pick for. Uh, everybody, isn't it crazy how much we pay for new brand name clothes for children? Why do we buy new kids' clothes if they just outgrow them in a few months? Wouldn't it be great if there was a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes? There is. It's called Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. Stop driving to store after store or going through the malls or going through, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that or the outlets. Over 14 million tons of textiles are wasted each year. 
Shopping secondhand at swap.com helps prevent textile waste from polluting the environment. Can make you feel good while you're saving some money, guys. Swap.com, like I said, is the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. With Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off of retail prices on your favorite brands, uh, you know, whether it's Carter's, whether it's Nike, whether it's J. Crew, Gap, any of that stuff. Quality, hand-inspected t- uh, items are added daily. If something doesn't fit, it's a simple uh, return of policy as long as you do it within 30 days. Special author for all our listener, uh, listeners, get 35% off any selected items for your first order with the promo code, all caps, locked on. Um, guys, Swap.com, please find new deals every day on Swap.com's, swap.com's homepage. Guys, it, it's become a staple around here because I have a almost 12-year-old, and she is growing like a damn weed. And I, just, I just looked that up because, like, obviously I have two little ones, and they grow out of their clothes so quickly, so... Huh, interesting. I'll take a look at this. Well, and here's the thing, though. The oldest, the oldest, is very tall. The now I have, she's in sixth grade. I have a fifth grader. The fifth grader is not so big, so the clothes never match up. My mm. oldest keeps her stuff very well, but it's I can't hand my daughter a hoodie in the middle of July. My youngest, so the clothes never match up, so it doesn't work out. But so we end up spending a lot of money over there. So, uh, but guys, like I said, Swap.com is a good spot over there. Um, John, um, before we put a bow on this, uh, before we hit the record button, um, the Cleveland Browns are no longer the worst special teams unit graded <laughs> by Pro Football Focus. And guys, if you want to have a laugh, John's going to tell you who is now the worst graded special teams unit. So the Browns for the for most of the season up until this week were the lowest graded special teams unit, but they've improved the past couple of weeks. Uh, outside of obviously the fumble that the Jabril Peppers had in overtime, that was bad. But and it new, sucked for him a second good return, a positive situation. Yeah. I mean, you feel bad, and 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 you know what's probably going on in Ohio. You know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, you know, and, and before I get to who who's last, but. You know, he's, he's really impressed the past couple weeks in his returns. He looks a lot more decisive. He's seeing the field better. He's much better uh, as a punt returner than he is a kick returner. Yeah, and he's a guy that we, it was like our number one graded punt returner in college in his senior year. Uh, we really liked him that role and thought he'd thrive at that in, in the NFL. And I think that's starting to come to fruition. Hopefully it can continue and he's not getting – he doesn't get benched for for fumbling the one time. So well, I think also Hopefully. part of it is is him getting comfortable as a contributor. So now when he goes back for a punt return, he knows he's already done more than just be the punt returner. You know? Yeah, yeah. So he's got that confidence, and that's. I mean, having confidence and and you know personal confidence in yourself goes a long way for an, in any position you play. Look at it, the quarterback position. I think it's the most obvious when you're confident in your receivers and your offensive line, you're letting things rip. You you know where they're going to be um, and that you trust that they're going to be there. You let things go. Um, that's when, that's when you know, obviously why confidence is so important. But now, not go segueing off on what the purpose of this was, the light, lowest grade special teams unit are the Chicago Bears coordinated by Chris Tabor. Oh, Browns are at a 45.8. The Bears are at a 45.7. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. So, guys, um, 
So, I mean, if you want to view it this way is they replaced their old special teams coach with the second worst special teams coach, who for the first few weeks was the worst special teams coach. <laughs> Fun nugget you get from PFF, guys. Um, I, I think the special teams unit, though, uh, you see it, you know, starting to get a little bit better. And, you know, and whether or not that's because Hugh Jackson is helping out there and, you know, well, now maybe I'm going to help out the offense. No, Hugh, we're good. We're good. Unless you are a specialist at helping 290-pound offensive tackles play better, I'm not really sure what you're going to bring to the offense because that is one of the issues, and one of the issues is Rashard Higgins, and I'm going to say it again now that we saw it this week, he's kind of Baker's due, John, and you see kind of if Jarvis isn't open and David Njoku isn't open, Baker's kind of like, dang it, damn it, 81's not here. Yeah, you know, I... I, I... For, have almost forgotten about Richard Higgins, um, mainly because he just hasn't been out there. But he's a guy that uh, you know he runs good routes. He's he's somebody you can trust, and that was pretty evident when Baker was in there. And I think that's you know now that you bring it up, it, it's a good point. There's it's a one less receiver out there that he can trust on a second read that he knows is going to be there. And, um, you know, Higgins runs, he runs the correct routes. There's a number of times in this past game where, where Antonio Callaway just continually runs the wrong route. Um, there's a corner route that he just, he took it as an out route and it looks like Baker Mayfield overthrew him. It's why, it's why in this game, Baker's grade was pretty solid, uh, something in like mid seventies and, and zero to 100. So, um, things like that, where, on, on broadcast, it just looks like he overthrows him or he, that, that, you know, he underthrows a, a, another route to Callaway or something like that. Um, that's because he, Callaway is running the wrong route or just not the right angle of the route. So it's frustrating to see that. Hopefully Higgins can come back soon because he is a guy that you can trust out there um, that just as a reliable – you know, third option after after Njoku and, and Landry. Yeah, and I think it's the thing. Like, look, sometimes there's, you know, you'll make a living being a guy just because your quarterback likes you. And Rashard Higgins, look, and a lot of credit to him because, you know, last year it did not start out well. But, you know, came in here this year with, a you know, a, a fresh new shot. And it's worked out well for him to this point. Um, John, I do want to thank you for your time here again this evening. Um, I kind of do wish you were an Eastern Time guy. You know, nine <laughs> o'clock recording times are a little bit later for me, but I'm yeah. enjoying 100% the, the conversations with you. Um, we're going to head here. Obviously, one more game here now, and this will be eight into the books. It, it, it's crazy how fast the NFL season goes, bud. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, we're we're half almost halfway through the season. It's just nuts. Like like. We essentially we spend you know six months of the year like hoping the season gets here and then now it's here and it's like now it's almost already half over it's like i don't i don't know where the time flies but it, i enjoy our talks too it definitely uh definitely um happy we got this set up and everything because i always love talking browns and football so yeah definitely it's been it's been good yeah, guys, obviously, uh, check out, uh, you know, John Costco's work over at Pro Football Focus, uh, Pro Football Focus Cleveland Browns. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we'll be halfway through the season, guys, and kids will have not really have gotten Halloween candy yet, so it's crazy how fast it goes. The Locked On Browns podcast, the Twitter account, guys, I always keep it a follow-back account. Um, guys, again, please, the iTunes rating and reviews, um, numbers are up, new listeners are looking out for it, you know, extend them, tell people, look, this is where to go here. Um, it's been going really well, the show, I want to keep this up here, I'm continuing to work as hard as I can for you guys. Go ahead, follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, I appreciate all the feedback. And again, guys, for everything, everyone who's reached out in whatever way, I do truly appreciate it. You know, me and my family, we're going to get through this. This is what my brother would have wanted. So we're going to be okay. But I, I appreciate everyone checking in. It, it, it does. It truly means a lot. Uh, until the next time, guys, let's go Browns. LGB on the LOB.